This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, this is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. We have one of my all-time favorite people and definitely one of my uh, favorite authors, Allie Larkin, coming on board here in a moment. Allie, obviously, is the author of uh, Stay and Why Can't I Be You and all these other great books. And she's got a, a new novel coming out called Swimming for Sunlight. So we're going to pick Allie's brain a little bit about the book, get to know that, see what's going on with her, pick her brain a little bit about her writing styles, all the fun stuff that we do. So everybody, just hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break you're listening to animal rights on pet life radio does your dog itch scratch stink or shed like crazy come to dynavite for help order a 90-day supply of dynavite dynavite for life pick up two tubes of doggo suds get the third tube free peppermint tea tree lavender doggo sud shampoo made with all natural coconut jojoba aloe great for healthy skin and soft shiny coats but no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Now, joining me now is author Allie Larkin. Allie, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Tim. I'm excited to talk with you again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's um, no kidding. I, I love your writing, love your work, love you, of course, and all the things you do and uh, the support you give uh, uh, people like me and the uh, animals and how you tie that all in together with your wonderful novels. So I'm excited about having you back on, if you can't tell. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Yeah. Now, the latest, Swimming for Sunlight. Tell us a little bit about the book without giving everything away, the novel, and uh, give us some tidbits about the uh, the characters who we should see in, uh, in the book. Okay. The book is about a woman named Katie who gives up everything in her divorce to get custody of her rescue dog, Barkamedes, who she calls Bark. And because she's given up everything for this dog, she has to move back home to her grandmother's house in Florida and her grandmother used to be a roadside attraction mermaid in the show, like a mermaid performer. Right. Katie finds this out and decides that she's going to get the mermaid group back together again. She's going to help Nan find all the mermaids. So it's kind of a fun book because it's the dog story and the dog has a lot of anxiety and Katie has a lot of anxiety. So it's kind of how they overcome those things together and also they're 70-year-old mermaid performers. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that I have to put myself in your mind for a moment. Now, I'm assuming your relatives or your grandmother and stuff isn't a wiki-waki mermaid talent, or is she, or was she, or somebody in your family? <laughs> no, but I, I loved mermaids so much when I was a child, and I think I would have liked to have been a mermaid performer if I had known about that when I was younger. So I feel like this book is a bunch of different things that have been bouncing around in my head and all of a sudden I found the right characters for them and it just clicked. That's great. Then tell us about, and we'll talk a little bit about the, the book some more, but we'll delve into your writing styles as well. Finding the characters to fit into the idea, the concept. Now to someone like me, maybe uh, you know, who writes a lot of nonfiction type stuff, finding characters that matches a story, don't you just make these characters up? You don't. So tell us, how do you find those right characters to fit the idea and the concept behind the uh, book? 
character development is is my favorite part of writing. Actually, I uh, I was a theater major originally, and so we did a lot of character work when I took acting classes in college. And I think that that's my favorite part because you do have to build a person who makes sense, and then you have to deal with like the parameters of that person. And so for me, I just start asking myself a lot of questions. Like I'll have an idea and then ask myself questions. And in the case of this book, I was doing a bunch of writing exercises and the first line of the book came to me, which was uh, my husband brought a date to our divorce. And I thought that was kind of a fun line. And I decided I'd figure out like, who is the person that would say that? Right. And then started spinning from there. You know, for me, like the first question would be who gets the dog? Mm -hmm. Um, And then... From there, it was like, who's this person who would give up absolutely everything just to get custody of her dog? Who would be like, I don't want the house. I don't want the couch. I don't want, you know, any of these things. I just want my dog and I want to move on and that's it. So it's sort of this problem solving thing. Like you get this little inkling of an idea and then just start asking questions. Like, who is this person? And this person who really needs her dog, you know, has a big heart and I started to realize that the dog was nervous and that she was nervous and I started to go from there. So I know it probably doesn't sound very sensical, <laughs> but it's just one thing leads to another and then eventually you've sort of spun out this character who feels like a real person. No, I, lo- I love how you put it all together because, you know, you've, you've got the, the relationship between Katie and Bark and uh, Katie you know starts to uncover that they are a lot alike you know they're all they're both kind of nervous and neurotic and you know have an issues and perhaps the divorce took her that long to figure all that out and then to me you have that you know the wacky character you know uh, going back and living with Nan who's totally different than than Katie and uh, so what's Katie thinking about all this and then of course what's Bark thinking about all this yeah, and you know, for Bark it was a big move, but I think I think the biggest thing about Bark is that he's taking his cues from Katie and Katie. Katie's anxiety is is rubbing off on her dog quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> now I won't put you on the spot because I know that you know your wonderful personality rubs off on your wonderful dog, so I know that. But <laughs> do you see do you see the comparisons in real life? Because I tell my clients that all the time. You know, it's uh, if something's going on with your animal, whether it's a physical or a mental, emotional thing going on with them, it's a great time to step back take a breath and look within yourself and look within the, the household, the family, et cetera, because there's probably some sort of a shift or something going on with you perhaps or the family that's causing the uh, animal to uh, have a little bit of change of behavior. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that was, that was a big part of the inspiration for this. When we moved to California, you know, it was a big upheaval for me and it was a big upheaval for Stella. And she started getting nervous and I started getting nervous about the fact that she was nervous. And she had a time where we, we couldn't get her to leave the house out the front door. She didn't want to go for walks. She didn't want to do anything. She was just very nervous. And then when I would take her out, she'd bark at other dogs and I'd get so upset that she was barking at other dogs and I'd be nervous that what are those people going to think of me that my dog's barking? And then, of course, my nerves made it worse. And it really was a matter of stepping back and saying, all right, I'm here for her. I don't care what somebody else thinks I'm a terrible person because my dog's barking. I can't control that. I'm just here to take care of my dog. And we we got through it. And now we go for really long walks every day. And (laughs) she knocks me over when I'm putting my shoes on because she's so excited. (laughs) But it really was like, I have to get my anxiety under control. And and also just that, that going for a walk is like a meditation, that this is something that we're doing together. We're not doing other things at that time. I don't let my mind wander. I don't look at my phone. You know, 
this is our commitment to each other is that we go for a walk and we try to stay calm and yeah, and that's made a huge difference. Yeah, it's life changing, really. Yes, big gold star for you. That's one of my pet peeves that I write about. It's like you know, your dog in the moment, you know, gives you an opportunity to smell the flowers and see what's going on and check out the neighbors and just be with your dog instead of being on your your phone or your computer or, you know, worrying about life. So I, I applaud you for finding that in your own life and uh, <laughs> with your new with your big <laughs> move because it was definitely a big move for you. You move from one coast and one culture to a uh, different coast and a different culture. So I, I imagine that uh, was a, a major shift in your life. It was. It really, really was. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, you know, it's worked out nicely, but it did take more getting used to than I was expecting. And I, you know, still didn't know what to expect. So, <laughs> <laughs> so with the, then uh, going back to Katie and Bark, obviously you got to pull a little bit from your own life to uh, put into those characters, I would imagine, just a little bit. Does Katie find solace in life, and does that help Bark along, or does Bark, uh, without giving it away, uh, does Bark help her find her, her real self and get back to uh, sort of level ground? I think they sort of help each other. I think that, you know, the other thing about the book that is an important part of it is is all the, the women in the community that her grandmother lives with and how they step in and help her also and how they help Bark. And that when she sees Bark getting a little bit better, it helps her get a little bit better. And then that snowballs in a good direction. Because I think that's a big thing with anxiety. It's like it's when it comes to dogs is that you can, you can feed off each other in a positive way or you can feed off each other in a negative way in terms of your energy. So having extra support from the outside, I think, makes a big difference too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, I, I even have, uh, you know, I reflect on that quite a bit. I've got uh, two schnauzers, so, you know, they're terriers and they bark at <laughs> anything that moves, anything that makes sound or nothing at all. They just get, <laughs> and I say, well, you know, yes, exactly. So it's like, I should have this magical skill set to uh, just calmly tell them to quiet down and they quiet. But, you know, that only goes so far. They're your kids and they know what they can get away with. But I had that same thing, you know, even even with that, you know, if guests are coming to town, I had a friend of mine come into town from Ohio last week and I hadn't seen him for a long time. And, you know, how would he act coming into our house? How would my dogs act? Would they get anxious about him being there? If he made a move the wrong way, would they bark at him and would he be okay with that? And then finally, I just said, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> we will just set the tone and set the attention ahead of time that all is well. We'll let him know the ground rules because this is their home and he's just a guest in their home. And uh, we'll see it all working out well. And once I calm down, which I know to do, but you know, knowing it and doing it is two different things. <laughs> then at that point, you know, it was fine. And uh, yes, they still barked, and uh, he didn't mind. And uh, we had a great visit. So uh, I think you're right. And when we are anxious. Our animals feed off of that, but also they're a great barometer for us. Whenever they get anxious or have a shift, that's that time to step back and take a look around and take a look within ourselves. And uh, so it works hand in hand. So they're they're great for us. Yeah, they really are. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back to uh, talk a little bit more with uh, Allie Larkin and talk a little bit more about the book Swimming for Sunlight and uh, also her uh, great writing styles we want to pick from the, the expert herself. So everybody hang tight. We're going to come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. 
Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, continue our conversation with uh, internationally best-selling author Allie Larkin and uh, talk to her about her latest book, Swimming for Sunlight. Now, Allie, first of all, I love the title, but tell me about – yeah, so how did that come about? Because I always find that fascinating. Is it a title that you created? Is it something your editors thought, or is it somewhere in between? Because I think it matches the, the book really well. Thank you. I really think it does, too. Originally, I had titled the book Bark, but that – you know, because the dog is barking meaties and they call him bark and also right. just kind of a finding your voice sort of thing too. But that actually is a is kind of a hard search term <laughs> for <laughs> books. It's not not very um, original in terms of, you know, it's not a unique term. So we started brainstorming and we had a whole bunch of different titles that we were thinking of. And I think at one point I was thinking like how to swim for sunlight or something like that. We had a whole bunch of concepts we were thinking of, of like just trying to bring yourself to better things. And eventually we settled on that. And it really was a group effort between the publisher and my editor and my agent and me and a bunch of my friends. (laughs) So it was great. And I do think it's, it's a good title and it's different. But it explains what the book is to some extent, too. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does a great job. And, and I don't blame you. Pitching the book is Bark. I mean, your fantastic book is, you know, that we will all love is Stay. So you would think, okay, Bark would be right to the point. But exactly. I, yeah, exactly. So, but I, I get the point. But I think this is very suiting, you know, because, you know, I, it definitely I see, you know, Katie at a place and trying to search for herself, search within herself, start this new thing. And as always, the sunlight, res, you know, to me, represents the brightness, the future, the thing we want to gain and go toward. So I think it, I think it's perfect. I think it's a great book. It, it definitely suits the uh, the novel very well. Thank you. Yeah. Now, what when people pick up a copy of Swimming for Sunlight, what should they expect? Should they expect a fantastic Allie Larkin book like we've grown to love? Or there's new nuances and twists in there? They're like, wow, Allie, I didn't know you had that in your uh, bailiwick, your uh, little basket of goodies there. <laughs> I mean, I think it's in line with what I've written before. I think I tried to go a little bit deeper in this book in terms of dealing with anxiety and trauma and also just in the relationships. I wanted them to be really rich relationships. I did a lot of research so that I could write this community of women who were in their 70s. I wanted to know what they'd gone through in their lives. So I did a lot of reading about the history of women in the United States and things like that to get there. So that was interesting, but it's, you know, it's, it's a fun book and it also has some kind of serious moments. And I think that's the way I see the world in general. Like 
life can be really funny and bright and also painful and sad and hard, but you know, you kind of cling to the, the good moments and the good people and that's where you find meaning. And so I always say my books are like love stories about friendship. And I think I went all in on this one in that. Absolutely. And they got a, a Katie and Bark have a great relationship, obviously. And, and I think it's great. I think it's perfect for the, the book. I, you know, I, I normally ask, what do you hope people take away from after reading the book? But I think that is the takeaway. You know, it, it's got uh, the highs and the lows and uh, the painful parts, and the but you come out okay in the end, and uh, your true friends are, are going to be there, and you're going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah. And I also just hope that, you know, anyone who's struggled with anxiety or just struggled to find their place in the world will feel seen by this book, that they're not alone in that. Absolutely. Good message. I like that. So tell us a little bit about, we're going to pick your brain about your writing styles. And for this book, did you do things differently than you, you normally would in the past? And and how do you usually go about writing a novel? Are you one of those that gets up at 5 a.m. every morning and works for an hour each day? Or are you like me and realize the deadline's a week away and you got to put something on paper? <laughs> <laughs> I, for this book, I had a little bit of the idea and, and then I really needed to push to get just a draft down. And so my friend Caroline Angel, who wrote a gorgeous book called All the Time in the World, she and I decided that we were going to be accountability partners. And for like a couple of months, we would get on the phone every Friday and talk about, all right, what'd you do this week? What are you stuck on? What's your goal for next week? And I gave myself slightly uncomfortable word counts. I don't always write by word count, but I gave myself slightly uncomfortable word counts for this every week so that I could really push to get, to turn off my inner editor and just get ideas down. And then there was a lot of editing that happened after that. Um, But it was amazing to have somebody who was in the story with me and I was like in the middle of her story too. And and just having that conversation every week and knowing that I had to get my work done because I wouldn't want to tell her I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I like it. You've got a workout buddy, you know, that's the key. And you don't have to touch the treadmill. So it it works out real well. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Workout buddy minus stair stepper. So uh, yeah, I like that. Fantastic. So uh, the length of the time, I always like to, to delve into that a little bit. Uh, how long is this? When, when you first got this epiphany, and then you had to go search for the characters, and then you had to put it on paper, and you had to be accountable for it, and now it's in my lovely little hands right now. What's that time frame? Uh, is that months, years, uh, weeks? How, how long did it take to put all that down? It's been years, but I've been working on other things also, so it hasn't been like a linear path. So, but it's, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since my last book, but you know, I've, I've done some like dabbling in screenwriting and I have this other long-term project I've been working on for a really long time. And so, but I think the first draft once Caroline and I decided to do what we call introverts happy hour every Friday, I think I got the first draft done in maybe two months okay. and then it was, you know, a while. It was like a year of editing after that. Yeah. You tell me if you agree with this. I think when you're putting together a, a you know a novel or even a um, a book that's going to be a, a nonfiction book, whatever it is you're putting together, that's that takes a while to sort of percolate. It's helpful though as a, a writer to have other projects, shorter term projects, uh, you know, writing articles, working on something that that you work on on a daily basis. I think it helps to break it up a little bit. It does, and I tend to write in stages of like very deep focus on a project, and then I need to take a little break from it. 
My second book was interesting because I only had six months to write it. And so that's all I did. And it was great to have that opportunity to do that. And I would do it again. But I think like every book needs something different. And this book just needed a little bit more time, especially because of, of the research that I felt like I needed to do to inform the characters. Right, right, because you had to make them believable, and there is a lot of research that goes into it. You can't just, uh, like you said, it takes a while to to find the characters, but then, okay, you've got to make them realistic. you got to act like, at least act like you know what you're talking about, and that requires research. Yeah, and sometimes it's not, it's, it's not always direct research. It's not like, I need to know X, Y, and Z, so I'm going to go look those things up. It's like, I, I'm not quite sure what I'm looking for, but I'm reading around it, and I might get the answer. Um, it's sort of this ephemeral thing that you're looking for. And I'm really thankful that I got the time to do that with this book because I think it made the characters stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I know I encourage people if, you know, if you have an idea, obviously put it on paper, as I'll call it, but, you know, write it out, write yourself a book, but don't get caught up in necessarily the the one concept that feel, you know, you feel like you have to get this manuscript done or else. You know, if you run into a block or you need it to simmer a little bit more, put it away. There's no harm in that. Go work on something else, you know, tighten up your skills, find a new hobby, you know, something that gets your brain open again, and then, uh, then come back to it when it's the right and perfect time. Exactly. You can accomplish so much more if you don't sit there in that like feeling of shame that you're not getting, you're stuck and you'll never get unstuck. Like if you just walk away, it's easier to come back. That's right. <laughs> I like it. It's a Everybody good story. Gets stuck. That's right. It's a good story in life. I think it's a good message in general, just to follow. <laughs> walk away, come back to it later. I think that's, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. I used to have a little um, note card that I kept by my computer that said, it's not a matter, I don't know where the quote came from, I can't remember, but it's not a matter of if, only when. There you go. There you go. I like it. You know, as we all know, everything happens in the right and perfect time if we allow it to. So, uh, yeah. And you, so when that happens, you write a fantastic novel like Swimming for the Sunlight. Thank you. So, Allie, tell everybody about uh, where you're going to be, uh, how they can catch up with you in person to get some uh, uh, signatures and meet your lovely self in person, uh, activities online. Uh, how can people find out more about what's going on with you? If they go to my website, which is AllieLarkinWrites.com, um, you can also get there from just AllieLarkin.com. I have an event scheduled starting on the 23rd. I'm doing a whole bunch of Bay Area events. And then on June 5th, I'll be down in Los Angeles for an event also. Fantastic. So everybody will post those online. So we have those and uh, everybody go keep an eye on what's going on with Allie. And if you get a chance, if you're in the, the area where she's going to be, definitely go by and say hey to her and pick up a copy of the book. The latest book is Swimming for Sunlight, a novel, a fantastic novel and uh, great work as always, Allie. Thank you so much, Tim. It's lovely to talk with you. It's lovely to talk to you too, as always. So good luck out there. We'll talk to you again uh, somewhere down the road. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of our show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank the producers and sponsors for making this show possible. If you have any uh, comments, ideas, thoughts, people you want to see on the show, drop us a line. It's at PetLifeRadio.com. And while you're there, check out all the other wonderful shows and hosts. It's a whole plethora of uh, (laughs) animal-related opportunities, and you'll love each and every one of them. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Put it in a book, a novel, a manuscript, whatever you want to do. Get it out there. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.